my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! Hey friends, welcome to episode 420 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast. And if you've been following along for the last 16 weeks, you know this is the part where I plug the pitch, the plea, the request to get Rob Van Dam, the WWE Hall of Famer, to be a part of the podcast. Well, it is episode 420, and I can tell you with an absolute smile on my face, and as Ric Flair would say, a tear in my eye, it has happened Rob Van Dam is the guest this week on episode 420, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to humble brag for a couple of seconds or a couple of minutes here, if you don't mind indulging me. Um, this was something that, you know, about a year ago, it was just over a year ago, and I, and I mentioned this to Rob Van Dam in the podcast coming up here in just a few minutes. Um, I, I did the math, and I figured out that episode 420 was falling uh, the week of December 5th, which is also, by the way, the eight-year anniversary of this podcast, the brand My One Two Three Cents, starting back in 2010. The podcast, thanks to Greg Mahochko of the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network for inviting me to be a part of that. It was December, uh, I believe 7th is when the very first podcast dropped back in December of, of 2014. And every Monday since, plus that Vince McMahon bonus episode that I always like to brag about, we have had uh, a new podcast here every Monday. And I am very proud of that. And I am so excited and so happy that Rob Van Dam did agree to be a part of this. Because, you know, I've had other legends and wrestlers, you know, current stars, you know, it set up through WWE, you know, was Kofi Kingston and, and Xavier Woods uh, at one point. Uh, Kamala has been a guest on here. Terry Runnels has been a guest on here. I've had Bushwhacker Luke as a guest on here. Mick Foley. You know, to do all of those, though, I had to work through other people and middlemen and middlewomen to, to make it happen. And I'm excited that, you know, I reached out, like I said, about a year ago, I made the first tweet about episode 420 coming on and how it would be cool if Rob Van Dam would be the guest. And I didn't hear anything. And I sporadically after that was doing it because I didn't want to be obnoxious about it. Well, 16 weeks ago, when episode 404 dropped, I did a TikTok video inviting Rob Van Dam to be a part of this. And I decided then I was going to do every week, I was going to count down week by week, inviting Rob Van Dam to be a guest on the podcast. And, uh, you know, I would tweet this out and every once in a while, he or, or Katie Forbes, his wife, would respond with a like or, you know, he re responded a couple of times and said, you know, when is the podcast or, uh, you know, tell me more. And I would always respond back, but I never heard anything back. And then it was uh, probably about three weeks ago, I was out with my wife, we were doing some shopping on a Saturday night, and I got a um, message through Twitter from Rob Van Dam. He had started following me because I had tweeted uh, a day or two earlier you know, uh, he had just tweeted something 
and I'm not advocating uh, bothering and being obnoxious uh, to celebrities on on social media, but I I you know I, I shot my shot as they say, and I really wanted to make this happen. Um, and it's not you know to me it wasn't about being funny or or goofy about episode 420. I really legitimately have over the last couple of years here in Illinois, and we talk again about this in the podcast, but here in Illinois, marijuana has become legal. And I, and I have seen the benefits of CBD, um, and the medicinal, medicinal benefits, um, but recreational too, it's become legal here. And I, you know, admittedly, I had not used it until it became legal here in Illinois. And we go more into that in the conversation that I have with RVD, um, and RVD CBD. He talks all about that. So it's not just a podcast. It, you know, Episode 420, I know people, haha, it's 420. But, uh, you know, legitimately, I wanted to learn more about it. And we're going to learn more about CBD and the benefits of it, as well as THC and how it all kind of works. Uh, we talk wrestling, of course, obviously, but we're going to talk about the CBD and uh, the medicinal and the recreational uses of marijuana. And I can't tell you how stoked I am. He agreed to do this as uh, a Zoom call. So I'm going to be dropping clips, shorter clips on the YouTube channel as well, the My123Cents YouTube channel. So uh, uh, again, very excited, very happy, very grateful that Rob Van Dam took the time. We talked the night before Thanksgiving uh, because, you know, he had sent me the message and said, uh, let's do this on, you know, can you do this on Tuesday? And I got the times mixed up because he's in Pacific time. I'm in central time. Uh, I got it flipped and Chad actually brow, brow beated me, brow beat me over the fact that I uh, screwed up the times. Uh, but it turned out that Wednesday was going to work better for him. It worked better for me because I was off work that day all day. So, um, it just all came together. And, you know, I really didn't have a backup plan. I was trying to think of things to do as a contingency. And I know, uh, and I'm, I don't know that I should drop names, but someone from Stride Pro Wrestling did volunteer to do a, a roundtable discussion on weed, uh, like that 70s show style. Uh, but again, I didn't want this to just be about the uh, ha-ha part, part of, of marijuana use. I wanted this to be a legitimate educational or, you know, something that would be beneficial to folks uh, to learn more about CBD and, and how it works and, and all that good stuff. So uh, without any further ado, we're going to take a quick break here and hear from WWE Hall of Famer, ECW legend, one of the all-time greats, and uh, you know someone that I really, truly do admire and look up to in the wrestling business, and that is Rob Van Dam. The My One Two Three Cent Stride Pro Wrestling Action Figure Drive is underway right now. For five years, we have collected new wrestling action figures and wrestling-related toys to donate to Toys for Tots. Children in five Southern Illinois counties will receive these toys on Christmas morning. The deadline to donate is Saturday, December 10th at Hostel Holiday in Carterville. You can also make a donation by reaching out to Kevin Huntsberger via the Stride Pro Wrestling Facebook page or the My123 Cents Facebook page. Thanks for donating and Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 420. And as promised, my special guest this time around is the WWE Hall of Famer, the ECW original, one of the all-time greats in the world of professional wrestling, Rob Van Dam. RVD, thank you so much for uh, commemorating and, and making this episode uh, very important to me. I, a, a year ago, I looked on uh, line the other day, 
a year ago, I kind of started this push looking ahead to this episode and uh, started tagging you in Twitter and, and whatnot. So I, I really am honored and appreciate the fact that you're doing this. Right on. Yeah, I'm glad it uh, glad it worked out so that I could do this. Um, you know, you were you were so persistent. I felt obligated. Well, thank you. Um, I really do appreciate it. And, you know, I, I want to talk about a few things, but let's let's talk briefly about uh, wrestling. You know, you are um, in the WWE Hall of Fame, uh, former WWE champion, of course, all the accolades with with ECW. What was it back in the day that that made you want to become a fan? Because you and I are, are pretty close to the same age, grew up around the same time and probably watching a lot of the same stuff. So who kind of inspired you to get into the business in the first place? Um, one of the first wrestlers that inspired me was, uh, Randy Savage's brother, Leaping Lanny Poffo. And, uh, he was unnoticed by design because he was just there to get the other guys over. That's how a hundred percent of the matches were back in the day that weren't main events, uh, the squash matches, the jobbers. Uh, but he, thought outside of the box. And I, and I really appreciated that. He, he, he caught my imagination by doing flying head scissors and, you know, just uh, rolling up someone's back, landing on his feet, just little, little things like that, that made him seem exciting to me. And uh, that inspired me. You obviously then get into the business and, and, and start going with it. How did you pick up? Because I actually have here, uh, from 1991, this is a Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I have all my old magazines from from when I was, a, a, you know, in high school and whatnot. But uh, you're in this uh, year in review of, of 1991 as one to watch in 1992. So how do we go from? And I'm trying. I should have marked the page here. How do we go from this young skinny guy here uh, to becoming Rob Van Dam to RVD? You know. Where did you get the moniker? Because you're you're under a different name uh, in the magazine here. Yeah, I hadn't uh, I hadn't got the name Rob Van Dam yet, you know. So I uh, like any traditional uh, story goes, went to a wrestling school. There was a wrestling magazine, like just like that one you're holding. Could have been that. No, it wasn't that one. It was because it was older. But it had an ad in it that said, um, send $5 for a list of all the pro wrestling schools um, everywhere. And so I did that. And I got um, several pages. It had some phone numbers. It had some addresses. I wrote a lot. I called a lot. I visited some. Um, and uh, and I was just obsessed with the idea, like totally focused. That's that's what I was going to do when I got out of high school. Um, this was still in my high school days uh, that I, that I was doing this. And um, anyway, I ended up going to a, a man, the original Sheik, who, who just happened to live 45 minutes from my parents' house, which was, which was great because I learned from the information that I sent away for that I was going to be traveling uh, probably really having to try hard to make ends uh, meet if I was especially going to live in Boston, going to a killer Kowalski school, which I thought that was my plan. I was going to make it work no matter what it took, but I got to stay at home with my parents and uh, have a short drive. And the, the Sheik had everything that was important to me. He had the, uh, the credibility, the, the name, the, um, you know, the history, 
uh, everything. So that's, that's how I started. And then um, it wasn't, it wasn't too long actually, because that was December of 89 that I actually went into the Sheik's school, had about a dozen matches in 1990. And then in uh, 1991, I was, um, impressing some people and uh i had the first uh ron slinker the guy that gave me the name van dam uh he told me that he thought i was going to be world champion someday uh way back then and um he was a well-known guy in the business uh, a veteran um and, and you know that things like that helped give me the uh the confidence but before i met slinker I was taught by uh, the original Sheik and his nephew Sabu. Uh, you just just get ring time for the first couple of years. That's all you need. Doesn't matter what what they do with you or what your name is or anything. So I had wrestled under a lot of monikers at that name, um, different variations of my shoot last name or Robbie Z or Polish Prince or International Tiger or uh american patriot it, did, it didn't matter i was just taking the bookings and that's all it's really all rob van dam was at first and it really stuck you know when i, I work with a, a local independent wrestling company here as the ring announcer but uh we have a lot of talent that comes in and, and it's a training facility as well and i think a lot of them have kind of their eye on the, the much bigger picture and and obviously you have to start off like you you mentioned you know getting those reps in and getting that training done. Uh, you know, did you think 32, 33 years ago that, you know, you would have this hall of fame career and, and have the stuff that you did in ECW and the stuff you did in WWE and the stuff that you did uh, with TNA as well. I'm sure that I didn't really think that much about it. You know, I was going to um, go as far as I could. And I mean, there was a time when I was like, when I first, met the the sheik you know when i was 18 um where i was like 180 pounds maybe and i was thinking even if i have to be a referee for several years however it works i don't know because the guys were a lot bigger than now i'm a giant <laughs> but um uh i really thought about what i loved you know i looked up to these wrestlers i just thought they were you know bigger than life like um how awesome it must be but i didn't really think about the side effects of being famous and actually impacting people's lives and having them look up to me uh, and having my peers respect me in, in such a way, you know, I mean, there's, there's several uh, full circle moments where I have been in the ring with guys that I looked up to when I was a kid. And then here I am um, toe to toe, possibly even, you know, beating them i might be a bigger star than them now and and that kind of stuff um i never let it sink in too far you know i i, I have a um i think a good perspective on it so um i don't take myself or the position too seriously like i see a lot of people do where they actually seem to feel like they're a more important uh, form of life i never i never got that because i picked up a lot of genuinity along the way genuineness uh, so I didn't just go from being a 14-year-old fan right to being the big star, or else I probably would have had a big head. Absolutely. Talk to me uh, about the the transition to um, the world of cannabis, because, um, you know, 
you and I, I again kind of grew up in that same era. It was the war on drugs. It was Nancy Reagan and red ribbons and, and drugs, including marijuana, were, were dangerous or bad or, you know, they had all these labels on them. And, you know, uh, it, it gave a, a really black eye, I guess, or a stigma, if you will, um, on that. And I think that you were impacted by that in your days in WWE. Now, fast forward to 2022. And it's more widely accepted, and, and, and that's really why I wanted to talk to you today. So talk to me about that kind of transition. And I read on, I, th- I believe you tweeted it not too very long ago, that you really hadn't tried it or experimented with it until you were 21. Yes, that's true. And it's because of what they taught me in high school. It was a, dare, a dangerous hallucinogenic, you know, it was one of the most dangerous drugs. Stay away from it. And the more I got into fitness, um, I started realizing bodybuilders, a lot of the wrestlers I looked up to um, liked marijuana and they applied it to a healthy lifestyle. So I, I was noticing some inconsistencies and then some of the inconsistencies got to be so big that, that I couldn't ignore them. Like, how can it be the most dangerous drug when it's not even toxic enough to kill anybody. Like not one person has ever smoked themselves to death. It couldn't even happen. They would choke on the leaves first, literally before the uh, toxic levels would cause a fatality. And so I thought, you know, that's really worth questioning. I've always been one to question authority. And the more I looked into it, I realized that everything we were taught was just complete bullshit and intentionally so completely intentionally put out there so that um people would turn to other products where the rulers of the world would make more money off of it um another uh, fact that i that i found outstanding was that the the federal government says it's completely non-medicinal but then they have a pill called Marinol that they make that they give to cancer patients as medicine. And I, the hypocrisy really stuck with me. And now that we have um, over two thirds of the states to have medical marijuana programs, which I was told a long time ago, forced a mandate. I'm waiting to see what's up on that. Um, you know, it, it, it's it, nobody believes that it's completely non-medicinal, but it still is listed that way. On the, on the federal guidelines, on the Controlled Substance Act. It's a Schedule One. Uh, Richard Nixon put it there in 1970, temporarily, and it's never been moved since. And so, you know, a lot of people care about different things, but I started really caring about that. And uh, even when I first tried marijuana at 21, uh, which I gave into peer pressure, I didn't really want to, I didn't enjoy it at, at first. It was a while before uh, I hung out with some of the guys um that um, I would smoke occasionally and it kind of like um little by little I added it you know to more of my um uh more of my routine let's say but um as far as being an advocate it's I can't I can't stress enough how crazy it is that all the lies uh and, and misinformation that was intentionally put out there in the 30s it still has people fooled it's crazy well, you know, and I, I grew up with that same mindset. You know, I, I, I stayed away from it. There, there were obviously uh, times in college where it was offered. I, I turned it away. Uh, here in Illinois, where I, where I live now, um, in 2020, it became legal. Uh, recreational uh, use became legal. And in, in, in that time, I have used it. And, and you know, I, again, it's, to me, it's, you know, 
if you are, are drinking alcohol that's just uh, as dangerous, if, if you will, then it, it's more dangerous, I should say, than... than it really is. It really is. And not only that, I mean, because alcohol straight up kills not just, you know, the drunk drivers and, and the violence, but straight up people can drink themselves to death, alcohol poisoning. And it happens all the time. Um, cigarettes, you know, when I, when I was early into my smoking years, everybody was smoking cigarettes. It was way more popular than it is now. And uh, the cigarette smokers would be pot shaming me. And I was like, but you don't understand you're killing yourself. Like you got a 50% chance of dying from long-term use if you keep smoking those cigarettes they're loaded with with hundreds of different kinds of uh, toxic chemicals i mean come on formaldehyde rat poisoning cyanide all kinds of stuff and um and the thing is that you know that was worth me opening up some doors and doing my own research you know and i and most people just want to follow whatever you know just like now since it's quasi legal, now people that were shaming before are open to it. And, and I understand that. Um, and, and I'm glad because I always knew that eventually it would be completely legal because of morality, because of common sense, uh, because everything about it being prohibited was wrong. So the way I look at it, people don't have to care. Um, you know, it doesn't, if it doesn't affect them, they can, they can choose whatever, but that doesn't make them any different than the people that re really weren't for the end of segregation. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's no different than the people that really weren't for legalizing uh, gays. Uh, it's just like the people that really weren't for legalizing alcohol during prohibition. Times always change. And, 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 you know, um, they're going to keep doing that. This is one of those times where I just see it just like those. We look back, like, how could have people been so stupid as think that was the right thing to do? But that's how they've been doing it in our lives. And, and we're still still going to see uh, us crawling out of that hole. Absolutely. Talk to me about RBD, CBD, because how do you go from being an advocate for it to then, uh, you know, having products out there and, and, and kind of let listeners know, the difference between CBD and, you know, obviously, I, I think you can get CBD anywhere. It's not the same as getting it as a recreational uh, with the THC in it. But, no, that's right. We can uh, mail from rvdcbd.com anywhere in the United States. We can't do that with THC because it's a controlled substance. They both do come originally from a cannabis plant. Now you can grow it uh, to be dominant in any area that you want it to because uh, we know how to do that. But um, there's a history to this that you might find interesting because, uh, you know, I mentioned the marijuana prohibition was all, all misinformation purposely pumped out there. The guy that did it was Harry Anslinger. He started in 1936. Horrible guy. <laughs> Horrible guy. Head of the uh, Federal, Federal Bureau of Narcotics. And in 1945, I'm pretty sure, um, um, the mayor of uh, New York, Mayor LaGuardia, said, look, if I'm going to keep this outlawed in New York City, let me test. Let me test it myself and see. Uh, see if all these things you claim about it are true, because, of course, you're saying that, you know, kids are are, are becoming addicted to it and, they're, and they're, their usage is increasing at an alarming rate and it makes people violent, this and that. 
So Harry Anslinger actually said, okay, gave Mayor LaGuardia uh, the, some stuff. He did a test, put out the uh, LaGuardia commission report. It's either 44 or 45. Um, I got to look that up because I like knowing the the, the facts on it. But um, it refuted all the claims, all right? So, you know, it, it said, no, it's not addictive. It shouldn't even be uh, criminal. Um, and you know, if someone smokes too much of it, they might, they might fall asleep. So uh, his, his recommendation on that was that we legalize it. So Harry Anslinger buried the LaGuardia commission report and we were never allowed to test the plant again, ever. And we're, and we're, and we're just now because it's a little, you know, it's becoming legal. We're just now in these last several years experimenting and testing and we're finding out, Hey, it's not just, uh, a plant that just gets you high. You know, there's a THC is only one out of like a hundred different components to the plant. We call them cannabinoids. So there's THC, there's CBD, which does almost everything THC does except get you high. There's CBN, there's CBG, there's THC one. And there's, like I said, there's over a hundred and we're still uh, coming out with them in, in, in products and being able to manipulate different cannabinoids to get the desired results while at the same time avoiding undesired effects. So that's where the science has been going for a long time. I, they were doing that eight years ago, easily um, in, uh, in California, California always seems to be ahead. You know, they, they uh, legalized medicinal marijuana for the first, uh, for the first of anybody in 96. But um, so, so now we know you can uh, separate these different cannabinoids and you can get effects. Uh, so CBD actually uh, can heal you without getting you high. Um, I tell people to think of it like this because it tells our own body what to do and, and it manipulates something that our own body produces. Um, in our own body, we call it an endocannabinoid and our endocannabinoid system is a message system that pretty much runs through our whole body. It's control of everything from bone density to, um, to, uh, to, to healing, to um, menstrual cycles and women, just everything you can think of. So with the CBD, it latches onto the receptors and it kind of does like a diagnostics check throughout your whole body and it fixes where you have problems. So some people say, uh, is the CBD going to make me sleepy? It might, if you have problems sleeping, like if that's somewhere where you need help, you know, it may aid you in that. Otherwise, I wouldn't expect it to if you were using it in the daytime. Uh, but everybody gets affected different because of their own their own systems. And I've um, the three years that I've had my company, I've had such a wide range of benefits told to me. And I believe in uh, real life um, over book life any day, by the way. Um, you know, when that's that's another thing when it comes to what we were taught, you and I, about cannabis and, and what I've learned in real life. Yeah, and it, you know, it's it's a better alternative than taking opioids or getting addicted or, or you know, dependent, maybe not addicted, but dependent upon uh, you know, prescription drugs, you know, it, I, I've seen that in my own, some of my own family's experiences with, with medicinal use of, of the product and, and CBD and even some with, with the THC, I've, I've, I've noticed a difference, uh, not only in their, you know, uh, ailments, but also in their quality of life and, and seeing that difference of what it was like before when they were using a prescription drug versus then a CBD or, or even something with, 
with the THC in it. So I'm, I'm sure you hear those kinds of stories all the time as well. It's the best reward is the best reward. Just knowing that I'm doing something that's helping improve the quality of people's lives. It's, it's great. And, um, also, I've used a lot of product and I um, created my product. My pain cream is the best, the best in, in the CBD world. I've tried uh, everybody else's before I came up with mine and, and I tweaked it several times before, before we got it right. And I had people tell me that they've tried other products that did nothing for them and that mine really helped them. And um, that's a great feeling because there is a lot of bogus stuff out there and certain states don't even have to pass tests like we do in Nevada and California. So you get some stuff at gas station that might not even have what the bottle claims it has in it. So I'm glad to be able to tell people I have the best product. My face, my thumbs are on the label. I stand behind it. And for sure, that is definitely the rewarding part is knowing that I'm helping uh, so many people. Now, yeah. obviously, you know, the, the history in wrestling, you have a fan base there, but I, I imagine you're not just catering to the wrestling audience. You are obviously uh, reaching out and, and affecting the lives of people who probably maybe never even watched one of your matches. Yeah, well, I, I, I certainly hope so. I mean, that's, uh, that is the desire. And uh, as we grow, we're adding more products. You know, um, there's something called Delta 8 that's really popular now. Uh, THC technically is uh, Delta 9. And because that's a controlled substance, um, there's a cannabinoid profiles that give a very similar um, result in the body when it's metabolized. Delta 8 is one of those which is becoming very popular. And as certain states are outlawing that, then you have the Delta 10, Delta 11. Um, there's, 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 we're never going to, we're not going to run out. I don't think of any of these, but these are some products that I have um, also added to my umbrella. So um, it's not just the CBD for me, um, but um, that's, you know, RVD CBD is uh, kind of the umbrella that, that, that it's all under right now. But, you know, as, uh, as, as, the education grows um and as my company grows i'll always be adding to it there's something i don't even have called kratom that i always tell people it works so good it tastes horrible but it works so good and it, and it works on your opiate receptors in your brain just like the opiates but it's made from a a, a, a plant that's in the uh, coffee plant family it's a dried up leaf and uh, because it works so good, of course, the government's trying to control it. But in the meantime, it's something out there on the market that not enough people know about. So I'm really trying to um, put my brand on one of those so I can help get that out to people. You know, as we see more states legalize recreational use of it, I, I mentioned Illinois uh, back in 2020, almost three years ago now. And I remember we were one of the first and, and even, even in this area, our border states do not uh, legalize it. And, and where I used to work, the office was above the dispensary in town. And I would walk out in the evenings to go home and there were license plates from Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, Missouri, all over the place. So uh, we've obviously in Illinois seen a, a huge gain from that because, it, you know, obviously it's taxed and, you know, that's the government portion, I guess, getting involved with it. But I think it also maybe makes it a little safer, maybe break some of those misconceptions that people may have because they're afraid of getting, you know, if they're buying it off the street, so to speak, and getting it from a dealer, there's that maybe risk that they're not getting something that, that may be uh, uh, good for them. Is, is that 
do you see that or, or what do you think of that well i mean people in general definitely feel safer getting it at a store than getting it on the street or, or from somebody it, often it's the same damn stuff but it's a lot more expensive in the store and the same the same vendors sell it you know to both both parties but um that's that is part of it and, and living in places where it was prohibited i felt like personally i'm willing to pay a tax to see it legalized because the other you know the other um side of the fence is locking people up for it making law-abiding citizens into criminals why because they have a plan especially people that really really need it you know like people in the cancer uh, um um clinics and stuff you know i had i had experience with that because my evil ex had uh cancer and i would uh go with her to the city of hope which was a big uh institute for for um cancer care and it was their policy to not tell the people about it unless they brought it up what kind of stupid policy is that to let them suffer so i saw i saw people you know talking to the nutritionist saying you know i'm wasting away i can't eat I got no appetite. I'm too uncomfortable to sleep. Is there any advice you can give me? And knowing, knowing that it's cannabis and we're in California where you can get it right down the street legally, it's their job to follow policy and to say, you know, just keep on trying and you can you can do little tricks like maybe put some uh, powdered milk in your food and get a few more calories. And I was like, man, that's so inhumane. Because yeah. I brought it up. As soon as I did, the lady was like, I'm glad you brought it up. Yes, this has helped a lot of people with nausea, with comfortable. I was just like, it hurt. It hurt to just know that people can be like that. And policies can be like that. And really, the more I've studied my government, that's exactly how the world is run. You know, it, the nice guy does finish last. I mean, um, for better or worse. But I mean, marijuana is prohibited because it could replace 80% of everything, you know, Rockefeller fought against it because Henry Ford wanted to make cars out of hemp that ran on uh, hemp seed oil. Oh, wow. Rock Rockefeller didn't want that, you know, uh, beer, uh, alcohol doesn't want people to use cannabis instead of alcohol. Uh, tobacco doesn't want people to use cannabis instead of their product. Pharmaceuticals sure as hell don't want it because uh, because it's been said it could replace 80% of pharmaceuticals, you know, and uh, it's just, uh, it, it's, it's something that uh, they, they purposely attached the, uh, you know, the stereotype and, and, and the stigmatism to it. It was a successful smearing campaign from 90 years ago. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, that's why I think anytime I can say something uh, or anytime it's a TV show that they make light of it, or that they 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 normalize usage of it by showing people, you know, like all of that's super important because it's changing the world in the direction that it's going to inevitably go anyway. So, you know, back in 2006, when you won the WWE Championship from John Cena, I was, at, by the way, at WrestleMania that year that you won Money in the Bank. And um, I'll send you the link. We we dressed as the Spirit Squad and we did a cheer for picking <laughs> up cheers and one of them, somebody captured it, it on YouTube. It's specifically about you winning money in the bank. I'll send it to you. But, nice. um, you know, there has been speculation through the years that, that you know, part of the reason why you were, you were uh, kind of a short reign there with the championship was because of, of marijuana and, and, and those kinds of issues. 
fast forward again to 2021, it might have been earlier this year or, or, or sometime last year, WWE rolls out a shirt, a 420 shirt for Matt Riddle and, and, and Randy Orton's tag team. Did you ever think you'd see a day where, where WWE is kind of acknowledging it? Like you said, you know, we're, we're kind of slowly chipping away at that stigma. Absolutely. Like I said before, I, I, I don't think I would have ever been an advocate if I didn't know for sure that someday mm-hmm. marijuana was going to be completely acceptable. And someday we're going to look back at it like it was as ridiculous as um, alcohol prohibition or is slavery or is not letting women vote um you know or as in um you know the gay rights i mean everything everything if the further you go back the more ridiculous our society seems and 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 all these movements are important and this is just another one i mean it's been a long long movement but eventually people are going to realize what i'm telling you about nixon what i'm telling you about laguardia what i'm telling you about anslinger like there's no there's nothing good to it um the only thing that holds people on to wanting to believe that is is their thought that well my cousin richard he started smoking pot and you know he he ended up doing heroin you know like whatever dude i can't speak for your cousin richard but that's not most people right absolutely well uh he was going to do the heroin anyway. Richard was experimental. You don't even know, but he was blowing his buddies when he was in junior school, junior high school. What's what's next for the uh, RVD CBD brand? Are you going to be able to expand it out and and do things with THC? Do you think at some point? I know you. Yeah, you know we actually do have uh, THC in California, and we have it in Oklahoma, and. Um, uh, and we're working to grow uh, from from that. You know, there's a uh, an awful lot of uh, there's an awful lot of meetings that don't go the way they look like they're going to. You know, in other words, we kiss a lot of frogs before we meet the 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 princess, and um, and that's how this business has been. Like people are so flaky in it; they'll be excited. You know, everyone's excited. I'm touring their their facilities, and they're like, "Yeah, this is great. We're going to do this together and collaborate." And then they end up, you know, you know, we'll send you a contract. Where's the contract? Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, shouldn't hear from my lawyer today. Where's the contract? I don't know. So much of it goes that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so too often I find my, and I'm always optimistic by nature because there always is so much to look forward to for everything that goes South. There's, there's two or three things that look positive and that's always been my life. So um, you know, I don't want to talk specifically about things that may or may not happen, but there's always um, really good stuff. And we're we're going to be uh, next weekend. RBD CBD will have a booth in Washington D.C. at um, Exotica Convention. The guy that runs the Exotica conventions also started doing a 420 con, okay. and so we're uh, we're kind of on board with uh, doing uh, all of the cons with this guy so far, and. Um, and there's a few around the country um, in a year. We've only we've only done two so far, 420 and an Exotica in New Jersey. This would be uh, the next one. But um, uh, even at places like this, you know, we, we get a lot of networking and a lot of uh, partners and meet a lot of good people. And um, I, I'm really proud of my product. So I'm glad, um, especially people are looking for a good product. I'm glad to be able to offer them, what, you know, what we've got. Since you brought up Exotica, the, you know, the perception, the stigma of that as well. That's another area that has been, you know, kind of uh, frowned upon and and looked down upon, uh, 
you know, by the masses and, and obviously it's becoming more uh, widely accepted and, and, and we're seeing more on, on that front as well. People are talking about it and I, and I don't think it's as shameful or sinful, if you will, as, as it has been perceived to be so in the past. Well, you, you know, the, as we, you know, you and I both been around a long time. <laughs> what what I've noticed, and I, and I know that the, my circle of people that I'm around changes, so it's not like a, a, a complete fair apples to apples study. But when I was younger, it sure does seem like God and Jesus were a lot, were around a lot more. And everybody, I think everyone's beliefs and their rules, their guidelines were all based on God's watching you. I really think that yeah. I think that's I really think that's behind a lot of uh, um, and I think that that's changed. And I don't know if it's just because I got into the entertainment business 30 years ago and now I'm around crazy people. I mean, obviously, there's still churches all over the place yeah. when if you're not sometimes I don't even notice. And then if I do notice, holy shit, they're on every block, you yeah. know. Right. So obviously that's still popular but but um but but society is changing you make me think about when i was like five or six my parents were trying to find the right church to put me in uh whatever that pre-church study school whatever that thing is yeah. but i remember i remember the comic book of noah's ark and while he's building his ark all his neighbors are partying his girls they're dancing they're like no you're so crazy what are you doing and he's just yeah. like you guys aren't doing God's way. And, you know, if, if that story was completely true, I don't think I'm in the ark. I don't think I'm in the ark anymore. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense anymore to my understanding of the universe, life, everything in general. And it's, you know, and it's not, it's not anything against, um, it's not, a, it, it's really just um, my firsthand observation, you know, tells me I consider myself spiritual because I have a relationship with the greater power, um, the, the universe, and, and and some theories say that, that I would be one in the same in manifestation realms. Either way, I know that it's there, and I respect that. Um, so, you know, I, I really don't just like always, I say, I'm a platypus. I don't think I fit into a label. People want to label you so they can understand you. Yeah. They want to label themselves so they can feel like they understand themselves. I'm, I'm not like that. Yeah. Everybody wants to have that, you know, that feeling of fitting in or being part of whatever, the, what they perceive at least is is the popular. I regret that so much. The feeling as a kid of having to feel like I fit in getting made fun of if I didn't have the right jeans or shoes like like that that stuck with me my entire adult life and it's it's like I pushed back against conformity um without even trying because I'm just so much more comfortable being myself in wrestlers young wrestlers ask me for advice like how did you get to be so different and be able to come up with moves and everything that's so different? It wasn't trying. It wasn't forced. I wasn't saying, let me be different. I was saying, let me not try to be like anybody else and let me just be naturally myself. Do you think the wrestling helped with that identity or say Rob Van? Yes, because uh, yes, here's how I see that. There's times when I was a kid where the same qualities would be looked at as weird or strange. And then in around 96 or so, I started hearing like I'm one of a kind and I'm unorthodox and, uh, and I'm, you know, and I didn't even know, cause you know, we base our, a lot of our opinions of ourselves on feedback from the outside world, you know, like 
we can't tell if by ourselves if we're good looking or ugly or, or whatever. We got to hear it, you know. Sure. Um, not necessarily true with respect when it comes to your own principles and stuff like that. But that's where that's where you know the conversation can get interesting. But um, but yeah, I think hearing all of that and 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 at first I was like, what do you mean I'm one of the, what do you think I'm the, someone said they thought I was like the most gifted athlete in the business. I'm like, what, why would you even say that? Uh, and then cause you do this and that I'm like, but what about Ray Mysterio? And they're like, yeah, but you know, he's this big and you're this big and you know, everything is subjective, but just those hearing those things made me really uh, dive into it and feel like, man, I really want to celebrate being different. I love being different. I hate trying to fit in, um, especially because there's so much about the norms, about the followers, the limited thinkers that that I repel against. Yeah, well, an amazing career, uh, an amazing conversation. I am so appreciative. Is there anything you want to add? And, and we mentioned RVD, uh, CBD.com. Uh, you have a website. Yeah. Anything you want to plug right now, go for it. Yeah, I did. Uh, RobVanNam.com just had a facelift, so it looks pretty awesome. And uh, for the next week or so, we're still collecting um, information on our mailing list, which you'll see at the bottom of every page. And we're going to be giving away some uh, prizes at the beginning of December. Some exclusive shit. I have an exclusive comic book that nobody has. It's really good, too. It's, um, it's about some stuff we talked about. And um, I also have a little plushie. A little that, uh, I saw that. That's cool. Yeah. And they someone over-ordered um, or over-delivered to somebody in England. And so it's something that I have that nobody else really has a, um, a, a um, uh, supply of. So robvanam.com, fill out the mailing list and... Uh, get a chance to win uh, something like that. But also my YouTube page, I would like to get uh, some attention there if people aren't familiar with it. All my social media is the real RVD. YouTube's no different, but it's something that I keep at with. That's the way to keep up with me because I am I do videos of, uh, of my adventures. Today, I'm uploading um, this uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu event that I was at on Saturday. I thought I was wearing the shirt. It's something local that I support and we're a sponsor there, RVD CBD. These guys have jujitsu competition. Everyone's smoking. It's sponsored by some local marijuana dispensaries. The guy that won the main event, I love this guy. He smoked all the way up, you know, until he had to hand it off to his buddy, went right into wrestling. When he made the guy tap out, his buddy was right there with a lit joint. Wow. And he put it right back in his mouth and, uh, and they raised their fundraising and stuff. But anyway, that's high rollers, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's my video I'm uploading today, but that was an example. I just, uh, you know, I'll have a video of Exotica in Washington, DC. I'll put that up on my YouTube page this weekend. I'm at a wrestle cage in uh, North Carolina and, um, signing autographs and, you know, meeting, meeting up with a bunch of friends and stuff. So we'll, We'll get some video of that too. So YouTube at the Real RVD, subscribe, like it, tell everybody you know. All righty, I appreciate it once again, Rob Van Dam. Thank you for being a part of this week's episode. I'll have all of the links he just talked about in the description for this week's episode. Friends, thanks for listening, and have a great week. Thanks for spreading the good word. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.